With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. And on today's show, we're going to be discussing Fulham's big 4-1 win over Reading at the Medeski as we swept the Royals aside for a comprehensive victory which launches Fulham back up the table closer to where we want to be. Uh, and today, we are at the venue of where our 200th podcast will be taking place Scene on of the crime. Saturday. This is podcast 199. And no fellow better to join me for the occasion than Jack Collins. Hello, Sammy. How you doing? Good, thank you. Last, uh, long time since you and I have done a podcast on Solo, our own. yeah. Um, so Maybe we, the Whispering... No, not the Whispering podcast, but potentially the, the Train podcast. Train, yeah. Um, which, was, which was an iconic uh, episode. We have had some iconic moments. Of Fulhamish. Um, nice to be here today. We were doing a little bit of a recce of the venue ahead of Saturday's live event, which is going to be with Gentleman Jim and Barry Hales and all the Fulhamish lads. There is like five tickets remaining or something, um, so get them quick. If you're not doing anything after the game on Saturday, snap up those five tickets uh, before they go. Uh, it'd be great to have you down here. If you've already got a ticket, uh, just have the PDF on your phone or print it out and uh, we'll be on the door and uh, you can come in and we're really excited to see you. Um, but I digress, we need to discuss Tuesday's brilliant win. Jack, you were there. What three-word reviews saying? Fantastic. Yeah, it was a lovely night and some brilliant three-word reviews to go with it. I liked Rokas's Kearney's Royal Worldies, which is good. Sam Crosby-Brown with Swift Red Swift. <laughs> Very clever. Richard Bamba, as ever. I mean, I'm gonna, I wanted to stop seeing Soul's things because he's just, he's just too good. Reading or reading, writhing Amitrovich, uh, which is just phenomenal. Greg Margolis with Kearney's Corner Combustion. And I just really like Neil had worse nights. Definitely. Our first victory at the Medeski since 2008. It was emphatic as well. Jack, it had been six trips, no wins for you personally. Seven. To the well, it was seven. Oh, sorry. Yeah, seven. Yesterday was the seventh time. And we finally got a win. The Madstad curse is over. And, in, and that first 45 minutes was absolutely glorious, wasn't it? Yeah, we were absolutely brilliant. And I think that while it's important to note that Reading were poor and they did make our lives easier by getting themselves down to 10 early doors, but Fulham caused that frustration by keeping the ball, by you know dominating in possession and really being clinical in our first attack, swept back to Kearney really and puts it top bins in, in a control C, control V was what I put on the Instagram story last night. But it very much was a copy and paste job. It... We just looked a class above from almost the get-go yesterday, and I think that was what was important because we started game so slowly, and yes, Reading had an early chance, and Marcus Bettinelli did really well, made a good save, and deserves credit for that because mm. you go 1-0 down after you know being impressive in the first 10, and that's very frustrating. 
So actually, but when we did go in front, it, it didn't really look like we were going to look back. And you know, Swift could have gone for his first challenge. He could have gone straight for his second challenge. Definitely. In the end, it didn't matter because. Yeah. And you know what? They were potentially lucky to end the game with ten. If we look at some of the challenges that went on later down the line, ultimately, we've just outclassed Reading there yesterday and, and that's important and we are going to have games like that where it feels too easy and we're going to have games that are more frustrating like the Wigan game but they had to come out and try and do something it gave us a space to take and Scott Parker I was critical of the changes beforehand I said I wasn't sure about taking Harrison Reed out he was my man of the match against uh, Wigan on Friday night and I wasn't sure that Bobby Reed was the right person to go on the wing absolutely incorrect in both he was brilliant both of them were brilliant and Scott made some fantastic changes yeah I actually saw the lineup and I think the only one I disagreed with was Arta for Reed is because Harrison Reed just has been so impressive but that's the reason you have a squad is results like last night we made three changes and we were still too dominant for a side like Reading and, and Dennis Adoy came in at right back I for Steven Sessegnon yeah. and, and I don't think that's been too much of a surprise because we're, we're, we're blooding in Steven and if we give him too many minutes it's only you know we need to nurture him um, into the first team and he's done so brilliantly after, over the last few matches but it was time for a rest yeah. but for me I did want to talk about Bobby Reid because Cavalera has been a bit disappointing in the past few matches he came in last night and I just thought he was excellent. He offered us a different option out wide. He was a tad more direct. Yes. And I think it's part of the reason why Fulham started so quick was, was his incisiveness on that left-hand side. I think absolutely. And actually, I saw a tweet from Cameron Ramsey, who is a, obviously our Five Thoughts writer and a yeah. key member of the Fulhamish squad. He said, huge admirer of Bobby Reid's seamless adaptability on the flank, complementing a midfield trio, operating behind Mitrovic. He's a natural-born threat in the final third and no pocket of space is safe when he's on the pitch. And I thought that summed it up really nicely. He played in three different positions over the course of last night and just operated absolutely seamlessly in all of them. He was brilliant on the wing. He's really direct. He works really hard and he tracks back. And yeah, on top of that, then he moved into the middle, dictated playing there for a while and then went up front for a little while and, and very nearly scored and so I think that there's something there I've, I've been sort of wondering where Bobby Reid is going to fit into this setup we know he's a talent we know how good he is we watched him at Bristol City but actually I think maybe his greatest skill set is how versatile he is and is he, he might not need to nail down a position he's the Lucas Biazon well he's our utility man exactly and an attacking utility uh, Abdes man Uadu. or Kevin Betsy from, from, from back in the day I mean he just seems to be able to fit in everywhere maybe right centre mid wasn't his best position we seem to have found a place back in this team for Steph Joe I don't think it's any coincidence that he's come back into the side and we look just so much more balanced across the pitch it was another impressive performance from him last night all in all, this, this Fulham team right now just feels really comfortable, knows what it's doing and, and seems to have got over some of the nervousness that we saw in the games against Sheffield Wednesday, West Brom, Cardiff. There now seems to be the swagger is back. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And, you know, there is still going to be criticisms yesterday not at all but possession for possession's sake and people will say this and they always will especially when Parker's teams look to just sort of knock the ball around the back at a 1-0 you know when we're 1-0 up and and you know me I'm the biggest advocate of possession football and I believe that you know tiring teams out by knocking the ball left to right and left to right and left to right is the thing that we should be doing because I think it just knackers teams mentally it knackers them physically uh, but 
there is always going to be that criticism and, and you can understand why but yesterday we were so much more dynamic with the ball we were so much more direct we looked to get on the overlap you saw Joe Bryan flying forward time and time again and actually it's interesting and we've talked about it a little bit before that our dynamic has kind of switched where it used to be Fredericks that was constantly on the overlap we've actually switched sides Adoy's a little bit more reserved and so is Steven Session yeah. for, for the most part um, but Joe Bryan is the one getting over getting on the overlap and, and I think that actually that works really well for us we're going to have to develop a second side to that at some point because teams will start to work you out and that's what we did so well you know, under Jokanovic in that promotion season but ultimately right now it's working and that's a good thing and a good sign for Scott yeah, indeed. And and I just thought that you look at something like the second goal and how we have criticised um, the fact that we haven't just been getting that ball in swift enough and early enough. And, and maybe it was because Reading were down to 10 men, but Knockart got his head up, saw some space, put the ball in the danger area. And Mitrovic does what Mitrovic it's does best. It's a brilliant cross, but we haven't quite been seeing enough of that from Knockart. We've been trying to pass the ball into the box and while sometimes that that does work just sometimes you know what get your head up and stick it in a dangerous area because you've got a striker like Mitrovic in the box who if there is any slip up from the defense slash goalkeeper he will pounce pounce. and and, and he did and and I think that one thing I'm I'm noticing from Scott I'm not saying he's listening to this podcast or anything like that I'm saying that whatever we say on this podcast, which is kind of reminiscent of what the fans are saying, yeah, I in think the next it. in the next game, he seems to be learning from it. Whether it's just a case of subs being made earlier or we need to be a bit more direct into the box, him and his team seem to be identifying the problems, the same problems that we're seeing in the stands, and then doing something about it rather than just ignoring the problems or ignoring the facts he seems to be taking it hands-on and and addressing it and and that's that's awesome because you make a complaint kind of gets fixed that's that's nice to see yeah absolutely Uh, this is what i wrote about in my uh, article in my first column of the year and i you know it was about while scott isn't perfect and won't be he has so much to learn and this is his first full season in management he's going to make mistakes and he's going to make errors what's important is that he learns from those errors and I don't think it's necessarily anything to do with us I think it's what is it no the, I, I'm not saying no I know but I think the truth is that Scott's analysts will be picking up these things and and be saying look okay this is what's going wrong we haven't got any overlap from our fullbacks and therefore we need to you know create on that so that's what he's then gone and been like right Joe I know that you're my most attacking fullback I need you to get round your winger more and and develop develop it or you know okay that crossfield ball isn't necessarily working that well we were trying it way too much we should rein that back in and then unleash it later on in games and actually we were talking about that knockout goal a little bit of credit needs to be given to harry arter because yesterday it's something that we don't do when he's not on the pitch pick up the ball and just spray he often just picks the ball up sort of inside left channel and then will pick out the right winger or and it doesn't always work and it's the most frustrating thing in the world when it doesn't work because the ball just goes straight out of play well that's but what we actually, used to find with Ollie Norwood when it went wrong it was yeah. really annoying to watch absolutely but Harry Arter is actually quite good at looking up and being like okay knockout has miles of space over there let's let's pick him out and see if he can do something and that's actually a lot of time how those spaces open up and then Knockout has the ability to look up there's no one directly in front of him he can whip a ball in mm. and and there we are it's 2-0 and it was Joe Bryan that kind of made the third he got a little bit of a lucky bounce and he just stuck it into an area I thought Bobby Reed was going to get there first it just missed him I'm desperate for him to get his first I think goal. we all are um, but, but Mitro gets on the end of it and 3-0 down to 10 men 
what is it about being a football fan? I don't think it's just being a Fulham fan. I think it's being a football fan of a team not in the top six in the Premier League where we go 3-0 up, they're down to 10 men, and I'm still thinking, how are we, how are we going to mess this up? Yeah, what's how are we going to throw it away? What's going to go wrong? How is this going to end 4-3 to Reading? I just can't see it. Yeah, of course. But I think I know it shows good game management, good you know, mental fortitude and all these things to and a lot of people were complaining including my entire family on our group chat being like we're not attacking very much in the second half and i was like that's absolutely fine yeah why? that is fine just keep the ball and the opportunity will come and thus it did yeah uh, with tom kenny but it was important to conserve strength and energy for for the charlton game on saturday with the early kickoff we're not getting that much of a rest uh, and it you know one of those things you look at and you go right okay let's let's just see this out let's just keep the ball let's tire them out they've got 10 men they're not going to want to chase for 45 minutes and the opportunities will come we don't need to batter forward and yes it's frustrating yes we could have gone and you know potentially scored six yesterday and obviously that's important at some points but also being mindful of what's to come and yeah and all the things i was surprised he didn't take Mitrovic off i know he took kenny off to, to give him a bit of a rest and he took joe Bryan off to give him a bit of a rest but i was surprised that it wasn't it wasn't Mitrovic that was the other person to make way because obviously he's played a lot of minutes this season. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's fine. And I think it's important that we did learn how to do that kind of thing. And yes, we conceded late on. I'm not that worried. There's very little you can do against goals like that. You know, he maybe should have been closed down a little bit quicker. We were a bit all out of sorts because it was Ream on the left and Joe was kind of covering Ream at centre-back. We were just a bit at sixes at sevens. But he's hit a worldie into the... Like, That's it. You, you look at those and you sometimes go... <laughs> You've got to put your hands I mean, up. And most Fulham fans are just like, yeah, fair enough. I know, yeah. I know it's easy to do that when you're 4-0 up. But also, sometimes those just get pulled out of the top drawer and you can't really do much about it, and that's that. Yeah, and we've scored plenty of great consolation goals. And you don't think any of it, anything of it as a team that scores those goals. You shouldn't really think too much of it. Exactly. And you're, the only people you can understand the frustration is someone like Betts. Oh, absolutely. Would have wanted a clean sheet. Wants his clean sheet. Probably has some sort of clean sheet bonus, if I'm being cynical. And it's probably just like, oh, bloody hell, lads. Just close him down. And, and, and it's frustrating. Let's come on to that fourth goal, though. I mean, Reading, I liked the Sky commentator where he said kamikaze defending from Reading. It really was. The, the keeper was out of his area. I thought we'd lost the chance. Yeah, I thought Steph, Steph stepped on the ball. And I was like, what have you done there, you nutter? But Kenny, like, he is just... At the moment, everything he touches turns to gold. It was a lovely goal for the first. And then that is just so composed. I mean, there's so many things you can do with it there, but he just found the right option. First time. I didn't realise how good it was until you see it back three or four times. It's just a first. And it just sort of sits below the bar. It's just an unbelievably pretty strike. It's just like it's a nine iron, isn't it? Yeah. He's got the nine iron and he's found the green. It was it was wonderful. Found the hole, <laughs> and, and I can imagine for you guys at that end of the Medeski, that was probably the moment of the night. I think, yeah. I mean, look, you, you talk about Tom Kearney, and I wanted to come on to him as as a full topic, basically by himself, because Tom Kearney looked like a man possessed last night, and I think that's so nice to see for one and two so crucial you know that celebration where he ended up exactly the same place where three years ago he was apologizing to the fans you know surrounded by a reading pitch invasion in the same colors you know it was almost like a an exorcism it was almost an exorcism for him and i felt like a bit like that for me as well you know you always see 
these games and obviously Lucas Piazon scoring that 86 minute goal when we were down to 10 at the was was sort of half of it but yesterday to go there and blow them out of the water and Kearney to be the main man of Fulcrum when he was the one hands up you know those years ago I think for him it meant a lot and you could see that and you know for me it was you know magnificent a real genuine sort of I can now leave this place in peace like well yeah actually do you know what I hadn't given that enough thought and you forget that footballers are almost human at time and let's say Tom Kearney releases an autobiography in 20 years time I mean who knows but if he did I'll buy it Tom if you're listening if he did he will talk about last night I he think would he talk would, about yeah. how probably Reading away, that moment we didn't go up, was probably one of his lowest moments Absolutely. of his career. Because he probably thought in that moment, am I ever going to be a Premier League footballer? Am I ever going to achieve success? Am I, is this ever going to work? And yes, okay, he got the, re- the, the biggest redemption was probably the scoring in the Wembley final. But last night must have been sweet for him just to go there and be like, you know what, I am still an amazing footballer yeah. and I can perform on the highest level and I've scored two screamers at a ground that caused me some real heartbreak two and a half years ago. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the kind of emotional side of it isn't lost on a lot of people, but might be, you know, the old football romantics in us re- reading a little bit too much into it, but it felt like that from what Tom's reaction was. Yeah. And, you know, there wasn't many in that team last night who would have been there that night. Steph, obviously, Tom... Tim Ream, Bettinelli. That's really it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dennis Adoy, I suppose. But it is one of those where you look at it and you go, this is a different team. And a lot of those players won't understand quite what that ground means to Tom Kearney or, you know, to the fans who, who went there that night. And I, I genuinely think that was probably the worst night of my footballing life. Worse than either relegation. You know, it yeah, was it really was- bad. I, I was, I was, at a loss after that night, like a real loss, and and it was, and I think it was the environment you were in as well. I wasn't there that night. I was at the Bean Back here at Craven Cottage, but I'd been to the Medeski twice that year, and I was already fed up with the Medeski. <laughs> for it I think to be five the, times in that calendar year, yeah, for it to be <laughs> the like... third time in about four months to go to the Medeski. Each time we'd come away either depressed because the game got called off or depressed because we lost. And it was like a last-minute penalty miss, and then for that to happen was was so the Medeski just. Is not a place that we remember. On top of being the worst ground to get to in the entire world, maybe minus Burton Albion, but without any of the charm of Burton Albion and the breweries and things. It's just everything. And we and we said spoke about this on the on Monday's podcast. You're like, oh, someone's like, oh, wonderful, picturesque stadium, brilliant location, like really good to get to, really happy memories. Everything about Reading screams like, ah, I just don't want to do this again. And last night put a lot of that to bed. So you're glad you went. You're glad you went. Really. And also I left work and it was tipping. Yeah, it was awful. And Dean and I were leaving and we were like, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to go to Reading. I could go home. I could put Sky on. Put on the red red button. button. Yeah. But I'm really, really glad I went. And it's just one of those. It was just so many good feelings. It seemed like an odd atmosphere there last night. There was like, I know that sometimes... The Medeski sparsely populated with, really with Reading fans, but it was it was so empty. And also, like a few players. Also, that the I... other thing is that all the Reading fans, I think, have tried to start like a singing section, which is fair enough and credit to them. But and it's right next to the home end, so it's like the two. Do you mean the away end? Sorry, right next to the away end. So the away end is here, and the the singing section is sort of adjacent to it. So all the pictures look like the stadium is completely empty, but there was quite a full section next to us on the left. Um, okay. So. I mean, credit where credit is due. And, and they were 
quiet, but I mean, they lost four four yeah, one I at mean, home with ten men after twenty minutes. Like you don't don't expecting much. I mean, a lot of it last night was just crowd baiting, and it was really there was some really weird stuff going on. And, and look, fair play, but there were there was a hundred million you straight back down, and then we saw you cry on the telly, and then a Huddersfield chant, and then you know it was. <laughs> we won at Wembley and all and all of this and the, the Waitrose derby in full effect. It was funny because the crowd on the right hand side of us couldn't hear necessarily what the singing section was saying, and so Fulham would bust out a chart of like "We won at Wembley" and they'd be like, "What? <laughs> Why are you doing that?" <laughs> um, so that was quite amusing. There was some crowd baying. There was your man who always wears full kit and shorts. He was there. There was a kid in a white jacket who took the ire of most of the Fulham fans for the entire first half. There was a bloke right down at the front who had really got in the heads of about six young fellas in front of me. Young fellas, I sound like an old fella. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, they were you know they just spent the second half just that like, abusing each other. And I was like, no, this is what the game has come to. There yeah. is nothing going on anymore. So you know, it was it was fun. It was it was enjoyable. It was a, it was a little bit Waitrose Derby in full effect. But you know what, fair play. Um, but. You know, a strong result for Fulham and we'll come on to Charlton in a minute. But it means that for the time being, Fulham have moved up to fourth in the league, two points off the top. We won't be fourth by the time all the Wednesday matches have happened. I think Charlton and Swansea are playing each other. So one of them is guaranteed to get some points that will take us above us. I think if everything went against us, we could actually go out the playoffs if, you know, QPR got a result and a couple of them. Bristol City got a result as well. But still for the time being, we're going into Saturday's match. A minimum, uh, sorry, maximum of three points off of top spot. We get a result on Saturday. We will temporarily go first. Yeah. Now, I think that Fulham, have, if, if I could grade Fulham's performance at the start of this season, I would say maybe a B. Minor, a B, yeah, B minus. B minus. Yeah. And we win on Saturday and we could go top briefly. I think that says a lot about the position that we find ourselves in and how much optimism we can have that I don't think we've operated anywhere near full 100%, barring maybe the first 45 minutes against Millwall and the first 45 minutes last night. And we're in this position. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked about this a little bit in, on Monday that yeah. we haven't played particularly well for long swathes of this season. And, and yet we find ourselves, or we found ourselves, four points off top you know, now three points off top. Uh, and it's just like one of those things where you look at it and you go, okay, all right, maybe yeah. maybe we can do something here. And we haven't really hit the gears yet. We're starting to find ourselves crunching through the gears a little bit maybe. But ultimately, you know, if we play like we did last night in the first half, yeah. there are going to be few teams who can live with us in this league. And, yeah, fully. You know, and I, I really mean that. I mean, potentially a West Brom, but we've seen already that we were probably a better side than West Brom on a day. We were... Not unlucky to to not to get points because you know it's very you know things happen and we didn't put our chances away and they did and that's the end of it. But you know we can say that we can mi- we can match it with we can mix it with West Brom. We can match them very much stride for stride. You look at a Swansea City that'll be an interesting one. I'm really interested as to what they're going to be doing this season and and Leeds and aside from that aside massi- from Brentford being on the charge a little bit, which is upsetting me. Um, and, and QPR started strong. There's going to be banana skins but no one fears me not like the season we went up where I looked at a team like Wolves and I was like I don't think I, I don't know how we can take on this Wolves side even a Villa that we year beat Wolves, I know we beat Wolves but they were very impressive that year oh, yeah. I remember I think the year we came up I thought there were more stronger teams than I do this year of course we're going to trip up of course we're not going to win every game I'm not getting excited after two results 
in a row. But I do look at the rest of this Especially league. Especially two results against weak sides. I do, yeah, I do look at the rest of this league, though, and I think there's plenty of winnable matches in there. We can see where the big obstacles are, and they're kind of dotted around here and there. And I actually think that game against Stoke in a couple of weeks looks like an, a nasty banana skin because you imagine Nathan Jones is going to be gone by then. It's probably a new... I feel so sorry for I feel so, Jones. so I he's brilliant. I feel really sorry for him as that, well. That club is toxic from top to bottom. But it's two and a half weeks away. They'll have had an international break and probably a new manager in, in place for a first home game under a new man. It looks like all the recipes for a disaster. But we'll come on to that when we come on to it. I'm just feeling really positive right now. And yeah. maybe I had my doubts after West Brom and I just thought, is this season going to peter out and we're going to have to do something dramatic and I didn't want to. I'd like to be having a season where we're really in a race and we're not on a massive chase. Yeah, for the entire. I think we've. I think we've started well, considering we haven't played well. Like results-wise, we've started fine. Yeah, and, and and the points we're on and all that. I, I didn't expect this squad to go charging through the division. You know, much as the HMS Pista League is is great fun and yeah. and all of these things. I didn't expect to charge through this division. No one does really. No. It's the championship. It's always a slog. It's always a struggle. You Wolves have to pace yourself. Wolves is probably the yourself. only team I can remember in the last decade that have really just romped it. Yeah, and even them, you know, they got promoted very early on, but they late, they left it reasonably late to declare themselves champions. Even. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not as easy as it was made out to be, and they had banana skins, and they had slips, and all of those things. And you look at that Wolves side, which was champion, Champions League in the Championship, if you will. Yeah. Maybe not quite, but... Europa League in the Championship. That's it, and... And ultimately, we've got a squad that isn't probably as good as that, no. if we're honest. It's it's not miles off, but it's not that good. It's a great championship team, whereas Wolves was a Premier League team. In waiting, I, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are going to be banana skins and there are things I'm worried about and, and all of that. But at the moment, I feel like Scott can be proud of himself. He's made, like we say, he's made the required changes. He's made bold calls that I wasn't sure about and you weren't sure about, but have come off. I'm interested now as to what he does for his Charlton game because, for me, I can't see Ivan Cavallero getting his spot back. Yeah. Uh, you know, Harry Arter was brilliant last night. Does Harrison Reed come back in? He was man of the match against Wigan. You know, you can't drop... You can't have both of them. But, yeah. you know, you have to work out what's going on. Well, we're going to do uh, analysis on Charlton. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back looking at Saturday's big game. Would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here at the Old Suffolk Punch and I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello. Are you a bit upset that the Old Suffolk Punch didn't have a Guinness? Yes, out of Guinness. Well, they've promised me they'll be back for Saturday though. So and also a new barrel, new barrel coming in for Saturday. Oh wow! Have time for so we're okay. I'm, I'm not too upset. It's good to know that Hugo, who runs the place, knows his priorities. He kn- yeah, he, kno- knows he knows what all the boys want. He knows that Fulhamish 200 is coming, and he's ordered him. He's ordered us a new barrel of Guinness. Important. Uh, very exciting indeed. Uh, just to say this season, Fulhamish. Uh, is backed by Football Index. Right now, uh, Fulhamish listeners can have £1,000 to play with risk-free for the first seven days. Just go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash index 
uh, and use the referral code Fulhamish when you sign up to the app. If you have any losses in those first seven days, contact their customer services and they will refund your losses. Now, I listened Go- to Monday's oh, podcast. I was and tips. I was I was very upset. <laughs> I was very upset with Ben Jarman's comment. He said, you know, Sammy doesn't know anything about football. He just goes for English players. <laughs> well, I'll have you know, I'm just checking my football index now. And I uh, put in Aaron Creswell and Tammy Abraham into... Uh, I bought some shares in them uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I saw so Sammy ben, just likes English players. I saw Ben's eyes roll <laughs> when I bought them and I said it on the podcast. I'll have you know, I've made a profit on both of them. So thank you very much. Both of their shares have gone up, probably because Aaron Creswell scored on Did Sunday. Score um, Good player. S- sadly for me, Mitrovic isn't doing bits. Yeah, I'm, I'm not wildly surprised about that, to be honest. he's doing He's doing well in the championship. I can't imagine that you know, football index are going, oh, yeah, worth loads. He, he did loads for me when he started scoring for Serbia. Then he got quite a few bit, uh, some dividends coming from Mitrovic. But, yeah, ahead of football index, it is actually quite fun when you start. Yeah, um, it is. I, I'm enjoying myself. My Stefano Sensi shares are absolutely through the roof. Okay. So. I do need to invest more in some foreign players, I do admit, but it's just a bit tempting to just go for Maybe it. Maybe we'll give some tips every week on our Football Index sponsorship. That Please do. Fun. Please yeah, do. We'll keep going. Uh, yeah, fullermish.co.uk forward slash index if you fancy getting involved. And if you fancy giving us some tips as well. It's uh, loads of fun. Like, genuinely, I, I was very sceptical. I was like, oh, I don't really get this. Like, it's just a bit like better, but it's actually well fun. And you can sort of use your football nows, which I imagine all of you listening to this have, yeah. to uh, make yourself some money. So that's good. And if you only know English players like me and you're... And you're and you're a full-on England till I die, and you don't know any of that foreign muck, you, you can, can still, still make play. money. You can still play, and you can just invest in Fulham players, although I wouldn't invest in Mitrovic because he's doing me no good at the moment. Right, uh, let's come on to the Charlton game on Saturday. Um, it's a big day for Fulhamish. It's a bigger day for Fulham, though. Um, we'll be looking to get an important three points and really just put this bank of three winnable games to bed. And, and, and like it would be a perfect return if we can just get the points but Charlton have been on form since they came up it's been a real surprise how well they've done since they came up many people tipped them for bottom place even the not the top 20 lads they did their championship season preview they said 24 for Charlton and brutal Ali but given, but given their problems over the summer given the fact that they almost lost Lee Bowyer given all of that off the field drama you're not surprised no I mean I can see where they're coming from I, look it's um, they're, they're a good side and they're they're a good side that have kept quite a lot of important players. We were, you know, when they started to lose their centre-back this summer, we were a little bit worried. Patrick Bauer. Yeah, and we were like, oh, okay, obviously, playoff hero, all of those things, and you get to that point. But they've started really well, even if their uh, XG, and I'm sure George Singer will be loving this, hasn't been particularly good, and they've actually outperformed themselves. Mm. Shades of that Reading side, actually. Oh, really? Um, who have, you know, who really outperformed themselves for the entire year, and... And Charlton are doing that, and fair play to them. You know, they've played nine, as of this podcast being recorded, one five, drawn two, lost two, scored 12, conceded eight. I think that's the that's the stat I'm interested in, scored 12, conceded eight. They're not running away with games. They're winning very tight encounters, 1-0 or 2-1. Yeah. And you know what, it's working for them, but that's the kind of game that worries Fulham. And that's the kind of game that Fulham are 1-0 up in with 10 minutes to go and yeah. lose 2-1. Yeah. So it's massively important. We say this every week, massively important for this game in particular that we start well. Like, you know, we need to get into them 
not in a physical way, just like, you know, get the ball down, play our game, start to make inroads and worry their back four. Because if we do so, we'll put them on the back foot immediately. And if you put, if we put two, three past Charlton, I just don't see them coming back. You know, if we, if we score a couple of goals here, yeah, then I, I think it'd be hard for us to lose this game. They're not, I don't see Charlton, let's say they're not touch wood, all of the wood, um, but I don't see them coming to the cottage and scoring two or three. Okay. So it's a case of try and get those early goals. And, and I, I could see that as well. They'll have a good following at Craven Cottage on Saturday. Massively. Why wouldn't they? Early I imagine off, they'll be heading up the down river. Down the river. Imagine they'll be getting the boat. Love a boat. We need to do a boat for Charlton away, by we the way. We should do a we, boat, We should probably yeah. start thinking about a boat for Charlton. I'm sure other people are on it. If you've if you already started thinking about a boat, let us know. We, yeah, we, we'd like to get involved. We, we, we'll sign up. We'll give you our money. Um... But they'll be heading up there. There'll be a good following. And the longer that goes on, nil-nil, and they keep it cagey, then it could be dangerous for us. Absolutely. And, you know, with someone like La Taylor up front. Yeah, he's their main man. Well, he's just a really, really, really good goal scorer. And, you know, I was really worried. He got got linked to Brentford for the entire summer once they lost Neil Morpé. Not quite the entire summer, but obviously there were rumours that Morpé was going to go and it was always rumoured that Lyle Taylor was going to be the man that came in to replace him. Uh, and I think Brentford with it, with Lyle Taylor up front would be a very, very, very dangerous side. Well, they can't score, Lyle, can they? Because Lyle Taylor puts the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis. Um, apart from having the best penalty run-up of all time, if you haven't seen Lyle Taylor's penalty run-up, go and watch it. He basically just like walks up to the ball. Uh, like really really slowly and then just passes it into the back of the net it's genuinely like I can't imagine being a Charlton fan and watching that I would be like blowing my mind because it's the most like nervy thing I've ever seen it's a bit Hyde Helgerson oh it's it's more extreme than Hyde he genuinely strolls like at a, a snail's pace yeah. up to the ball and then just sort of slots it and he usually scores Hyde, so was, Hyde was all about the pause wasn't it yeah the pause he would el pausa pausa as yeah. they call it in, in La Liga um, that moment before you hit it um, but it's yeah he's a brilliant he's a brilliant goal scorer and he's, he's one of those players that is going to cause Fulham problems he's quick you know, he, he's got that instinct in the box and Mawson and Reem are going to have to be on very much top form to deal with that at the weekend yeah Lyle Taylor's got five and six for them this season and they um, play tonight yeah and they play tonight so they could, he could grab another one against Swansea so it could be more than that good game um, I would watch if you're listening to this before this kicks off I would watch that game not only will it be a good game of football yeah. but you know it's a nice nice way to check out one who we're playing on Saturday and two someone I think is probably going to be up there in our promotion rivals this season I think that Fulham have been handed a bit of an advantage ahead of Saturday's game early Saturday game and we have that extra 24 hours on yep. Charlton that will come into play for me I think that and Charlton can't exactly rest players going to a team with a team like Swansea visiting so that is definitely an advantage uh, a player that uh, stands out for me Conor Gallagher 19 years old centre of midfield on loan from Chelsea yeah he's he's played pretty much every game for, for Charlton scored you will notice him by scored, his long floppy hair scored three got an assist as well he's been one of their better players yeah, um, really this good. season he seems like me one of those to watch in the middle yeah, he's, he's just a really really talented young player and you know I think interestingly it's going to be he's maybe just a little bit too young to have benefited from the Chelsea revamp of, mm. of this year and next year when they're able to sign players again he'd be interested but he's you know, been a very much a shining light. He's stamped his quality all over the league, and he's obviously gone out, seen what Reese James did at Wigan last year, and gone, "I could do that. 
I'll do that. And in uh, again, what someone assumed would be a struggling side, uh, already been a you know a bright light. So fair play to him, even if he is Chelsea, and he, he needs to he needs to be shut down basically on on Saturday. If we if we can close him down and stop him running things in the middle, because he has been their kind of main man running things in there. If we can get that supply and source stopped, then it will go a long way to Fulham winning this game. We said it about John Swift. Maybe Conor Gallagher, another yeah. another Chelsea boy, can Let's. get himself sent off after <laughs> 20 minutes. That would make our lives a whole lot easier. Let's put the curse on him. Yeah. Um, I was actually impressed that your prediction, you were very bold in your prediction against Reading. Everyone was quite conservative on Monday's pod and said uh, a 2-1. Did you say 3-0? I said 3-0. And well, you got the margin right. Got the margin right. So, should we do another quick prediction? 3-1. Oh, I was going to say exact same thing. Yeah. I don't want to be so on the fence. No, I but I can see good. it being two-one for a long time, and then maybe Nick in a third to edge it. But I think that Charlton probably will grab a goal on, yeah, on Saturday I mean, because I think we afford enough teams that opportunity to get a goal. The only thing I would say about this is, you know, Reading scored a worldie last night. And, and yes, we've conceded late goals. And yes, our defence has actually been very, very good this mm. year. And we probably haven't given them enough credit. Um, there have been individual errors. You know, Steven Sessegnon, Marcus Bettinelli. I'm sure they'll hold their hands up for those. Yeah. Um, but on the whole, our, our defence has been very solid. And we probably haven't given... We, we always talk. We were like, oh, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous at the end of games. And, and rightly so, given the things that have happened. But on the whole, like... We haven't given up too many opportunities. We've not, you know, allowed teams to to really bully us. Uh, and, and I know that we teams have. are often scoring with their only chance. Absolutely, and West you look Brom. at West Brom, who who you know are up there at the top of the table, fighting with the best for promotion. And had plenty of chances against Leeds last night, and very much didn't have many chances against us. And I think credit needs to be given to yeah. Alfie Mawson and Tim Ream, who have really put things together after everyone was, you know, absolutely up in arms that we didn't sign a centre back, up in arms that we didn't sign a right back, and credit needs to be given to those players for stepping up and being like okay we know you're worried it's okay and yes obviously there are still frailties there are always defensive frailties with every team yeah. you know no team goes through the season and doesn't ever concede that's just not not what happens but they need to be given credit and, and hopefully they can continue that run of good form and, and it will you know all will go well on and, and I am fascinated to see what they do in January because at the moment I would not be the one to break up this partnership with, with Michael Hector coming in as good as we know he is. I just don't Michael feel... Michael Hector might be one, you know, to, to allow us to rotate and not have an issue with being able to... You know, the championship comes thick and fast. Injuries come. Tim Ream is on the older side of that kind of line now. And you look at that and you think maybe Michael Hector is someone just to allow us to rotate without any issues, you know, mm. who will allow us to be like, okay, you have a rest or someone gets an injury and we're not like, oh my God, we don't have any centre-backs at all. We have to play Dennis Atoy at the back. Yeah. Um, it's just someone that allows us to, you know, keep things a little bit more healthy in there and, and some competition and, and to keep people driving on to be their best. And I think that can only be a good thing. A uh, couple of questions yeah. just to end that we got into the email. This one's from Daryl Brugnick uh, from Wisconsin in the USA. Uh, he said that, do you think Parker has been playing conservatively with Brian Assessignon up until Friday night because he wanted to tighten up the defence? Perhaps he will allow them to bomb down the wings more often with Reed, Steph, Joe and Arta providing cover for Mawson and Ream and do you think that is partially that Scott Parker just in these early games has been just been quite conservative waiting to make sure that the spine of his team is settled and now he thinks that it more is is more he can let Brian and Sessignon and Adoy 
be a little bit freer because he, he's more confident in that spine of the team. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said there. There's, uh, I think, yeah, on the whole, you're absolutely right. If if you allow a team's spine to develop and you, you work out who that person is, you know, the important thing for how good Target and Fredericks were bombing on was that Kevin McDonald used a slot into the back three and, and turned the whole thing basically into a 3-4-3 three, three in, yeah. in many ways because his kind of dropping in allowed us to take things differently and to allow us to control possession without losing any shape in the middle of the side, which is important. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, and I think that Harrison Reed and Harry Arter do different jobs, but I, I'd be interested to find out quite what it is that they you know that Scott wants from them is it when Reed plays the wing backs can fly forward a little bit more sure. because Harrison Reed is very much more of a clean up merchant or when Harry Arter plays they have a different role because he's able to spray and the wingers go a little bit wider and therefore the fullbacks have to tuck inside a little bit more or maybe it's the fact that Joe Bryan is uh, quite an attacking fullback and Steven Sessegnon isn't really and I know he did really well getting forward against Huddersfield but on the whole Steven Sessegnon in the youth teams played centre back and right back whereas mm. Ryan played left back and left wing and you know, I think a lot of people assume that Steven Sessegnon is a flying wing back, like that, like no, Ryan he's way, was. He seems but much he's a more far more conservative player, and he's a little bit more. He's tighter in possession. His defensive game is better, um, but he. But for England, I know he does has, yeah, does yeah, fly yeah. forward much more. So they, he obviously can do it. It's just I think what Scott wants, and and there's an interesting theory about. Yeah, George brought this up the other day on full time about how Pep basically created the flying fullback in many ways with Dani Alves and Jordi Alba and then came to Bayern and basically inverted his fullbacks and started getting them to come inside and develop and and I think that a lot of this is working out what your fullbacks what you want them to do because if they cut inside and become almost defensive midfielders it allows your your midfield to push further forward which should in theory put Tom Kenny into more goal scoring positions and you know he scored four goals this campaign five goals this campaign he's scoring more goals from that so maybe that's to do with the fact that our our fullbacks are tucking inside and becoming sort of inverted defensive midfielders and allow and our wingers go further wide and it allows a space for the 10 to have more kind of creative freedom so there are different elements to this you know if if you want you're liking that tom kearney's scoring more goals and getting into more positions to shoot part of that is potentially because our wingbacks don't fly forward so much anymore and you know tom kearney with those flying with Fredericks and that used to score a lot of sort of random headers and you know tap-ins mm. just outside the box and now he's got that space outside because Knockart and whoever's on the left wing be it Reed, be it Cavalero are stretching the play and allowing there to be a little bit more space behind the lines for Tom Kenny to operate in. I'm imagining Lee Bowyer's uh, drawing room at the moment uh, at, at the Valley, and it's just a big picture on the wall of Tom Kearney's left foot. Yeah, and with arrows in it. Yeah, just yeah. like, target this. Do not let this have a yard of space. But that's the, the brilliant thing about this. If you, le- if you double up Tom Kearney, who are you leaving free? Alexander Mitrovic? Yeah. <laughs> Ivan Cavallero? Bobby Reed? Anthony Knockart? And, and they're the options we have. And, and that's, I kind of think what's important now and the next step for Scott is that if if Kenny gets closed down and he can't run the game you know we need to be able to pick out those other players to to be able to isolate people one-on-one to really go at defenders because there is going to be spaces for them if Tom Kenny is doubled up on and even Stephanie Hansen and you know hasn't scored 
many goals. Hasn't got himself in goal-scoring positions as much, where he used to do that a lot at Fulham. He used to score a lot of goals in that first season that ended in you know tears at the Majewski. Steph Johansson was our top scorer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't really do that anymore. He doesn't pop up in the box. He doesn't pop up on the edge of the box to score. So if Tom Kearney gets absolutely shackled, there's a lot of onus on Steph that actually re-step up that kind of form. And it's fine for him to sit back and do the dirty work and do the legs and, and play the clever passes if Tom Kearney is scoring and having that space to create. But when, when that doesn't happen, I'd be really interested to see if Steph can step that side of his game up again. Fantastic. Can we uh, just give um, a moment to Adam Vakarsen, our graphics man, Brilliant. for the wonderful uh, top bins photo he did of uh, Tom Kearney last It's just phenomenal. Night. Just absolutely. That man just strikes when you least expect it. Yeah. Gets on Photoshop and does it. Yeah. He's just, just a genius. If you genius haven't, seen, in the it, wing, if you haven't seen it, it's on Instagram and Twitter. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to our Witterings today on the Fulhamish podcast, episode 199. 200 soon come episode 200 is cut and like to be honest podcast numbers mean absolutely diddly Diddly squat squat. but it's episode 200 it's a big moment for us it's very indulgent come down to the OSP we're really looking forward to recording we're just gonna have a few beers have some fun chat with some nice people have some music you know come down it'll be a laugh yeah it's a lovely go crack it's a lovely location down here new barrel of Guinness and what we're hoping for is that um, Hugo the landlord here at the old Suffolk Punch uh, he has a deal going on right now where if you uh, if Fulham win by one goal, he reduces all the prices by 10%. By two goals, 20%. By three goals, 30%. So if we can get a 3-0 win or a 4-1 or whatever on Saturday, there's going to be some super cheap booze down here after the game. And that's important. Yeah, very important indeed. Very crucial to the success of the event. So Fulham, um, do us a favour. Yeah, please do us a favour. Tom Kenny, please score some in the top bins. Or bottom bins. I don't really Wherever. care. How, uh, Whatever bin. As long as it's by three, we don't mind. Um, right, well, Jack, thank you very much for thank being you, on the podcast Sammy. today. Uh, and if you're coming on Saturday, we'll see you on Saturday. If not, uh, enjoy the next podcast and have a good rest of your week. Take care. Bye. Peace.